you, Dan. Praise God. Let's continue that. That's right. We want to make sure that, you know, I know in my own life, when times get difficult, uh, there, I got my Spotify list. Some people don't know what that is, but it's something I can plug anything, like whatever, Jesus, I need to come out of this, or this thing's got to come out of me, and I just begin to, I can sit there and battle and think and just contemplate, or I can say, Jesus, I'm just going to start worshiping, and I don't have to do that. He fights my battles for me, and so I can sit there and try to do it, or I can just say, hey, I'm releasing it to you, and then he gives me the power to overcome. Amen. I know he does the same thing with you, and, and as we move forward, you know, I think of what a difference a week makes, like, so last week when you walked in all the stores, you saw all this dead and demonic and scary looking stuff, like spider webs and these things, you know, stuff come at you. I'm walking through a, a, one of the hardware stores and I'm like, whoa, okay. I was just trying, I just need to get a little, little blue is all I needed, but okay. So it's amazing in one week. So that's all done. And now all of a sudden you walk in and it looks, looks like a winter wonderland in a matter of like, how did they do that so quick? It's, you see everything like it's beginning to look a lot like, you know, just like that. And so, um, and also today you like some of you, you know, you got an extra hour of sleep, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. I hope you did. Hopefully you turned your clock back um, and you got that extra. You know, I don't even know. Sometimes I think about it, you know, how or why I know it has to do with farming back in the day. You get more hours of daylight. And uh, I know there's, there's moves to try to change that. Like, hey, because I personally, I'd like to get off work and go home and have a little more light. But all of a sudden, now I'm not. And so any chores, like, you know, hey, sorry, it's outside. I'm going to have to come in and rest because I'm sorry, I can't do that unless I get some now these LED lights that they don't help things out. But anyhow, um, with that, with the change of season and everything, we're going to start a new series today. It's a four-part series that I've simply entitled The Generous Life. The generous life. And, and as I looked over this and have been praying over this, you know, I can really get lost in my own head over trying to come up with stuff. And here's some of the things I thought, I thought you'd enjoy getting a glimpse into your pastor's brain a little bit. And so as I was playing with it, I thought, how many different ways can I say this? And so one of the things I came up with, um, was I thought of generosity a way of life, you know? That was one of those, like, that's pretty good. I don't care what you say. And then I thought, if you can be anything in this world, be generous. <laughs> you know, that's another one. Um, the generous find true life. Another one, and this is one of my favorites because it, it, I pondered it for a moment. Generosity, to be or not to be, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And then I said, oh, wow, yes, look, oh, no, back, let me get back. I'm just trying to do, just trying to talk about generosity for a moment because I firmly believe that, um, that, that just as salvation, it's not generosity in a one-time experience, but it's a lifestyle. It's something, it's a way of life. So, so God wants every human being to, both, to experience both the giving and receiving end of generosity. It's not a, a one-way street, it's both. And so he wants all of us to experience that both way. Like, hey, I get, I get to be on the receiving end of generosity. Anybody like that part? You know, you're going to in just about, you know, a couple months, you're gonna be sitting around and people are gonna be throwing stuff, you're gonna be opening stuff up and you're gonna look, wow, thank you. Wow, 
thank you. I'll take that back. Or, wow, I'll give that to somebody next year. Wow. No, I'm talking to the older people in the crowd <laughs> that know what I'm talking about, this thing called regifting. And then you got to pray, okay, you need to write it down now. Who gave me that? Because <laughs> good stuff, fun stuff. It's enjoying that but and dealing with generosity. But I'm, I'm always reminded that um, I know I personally, when I've experienced both, but the one I like the most is what Paul was talking about in, uh, in, to the Ephesian elders, a church he'd helped start in the book of Acts. It tells all the different journeys he took and the churches he started. And in Acts 20, verse 35, Paul said it this way. It was the last time he was going to get to see them face to face. Like they knew this was it. He was heading out. He already told them there's going to be some rough times coming. And he said this, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, let me unpack that for just real quick. Remember, in order to give, I have to have. In other words, you can't give something you don't have. And so when we talk about it's more blessed to give than receive, it's because I've already, I'm giving out of what I've already received. And so now I get a choice to go, thank you, Lord. In both ways, I get to thank you that I've got something I can give. And thank you, Lord, I received it first and now I'm gonna use it to bless somebody else. So that whole, there's, there's a whole thing that unfolds there. Now, I know that everybody gives at some point in your life, either willingly or unwillingly. All I got to do is say the word taxes. <laughs> willingly or unwilling. Some of you are like, you don't sit there if you're writing like, oh yeah, thank you. Or when, when you're young and you get this, your first check and you see this FICA and you went, who was that? <laughs> and why are those so, why are they so mean? <laughs> wow, they hurt. And so that whole thing of like, what? Even still, as you get older, what? They're taking more. So anyhow, we give or, or whether we want to willingly or unwillingly, but just remember that the Lord, he wants us to, to have this willingness, this, to instill within us this ability, this, this, kind of, this kind of giving, this kind of generosity that's both sporadic and intentional. Like it's not just a methodical thing. Like some people, and, and I can be one of them, I gotta be careful. You, you can, so we know tithing's a principle and we're gonna get to that later because when I mention generosity, number the, one of the number one things that come up is people think money and you're gonna see over the next four weeks, it's a lot more than just money. I've often, I remember reading this quote years ago that some people are so poor, all they have is their money. And so you go, it's a lot more than just simply what our, what our bank account says. And so um, I believe that as we grasp more than just the temporal and what I need and my needs are, I believe as we grasp eternity, it would change our mindset on how we think about generosity. Uh, Jesus constantly reminded his disciples of staying active in the world in which they live, remembering that he wanted them to help build the eternal kingdom. In other words, let me say this to you in case you don't know it or not, this is not your home. This is not my home. 
I'm only here for a weekend, y'all. I'm only here for the weekend. If we look at the scope of eternity, our life, no matter how much, if it's a year to 120, as they say, some are believing for that one. I'm still not sure. I'm kind of torn. There was a, in my earlier life, I was saying 120. As I keep getting closer to it, I'm like, mm, let's see. It depends on if this body keeps doing what it needs to do and I can enjoy it. But, but it doesn't matter how long. It matters this whole thing of eternity that we're helping build that. And I love Jesus kept reminding these disciples of this. And he actually did it in, in some of the most seemingly unopportune moments. Like in John chapter nine, we're gonna turn there in just a minute, and, and verses one through four, and it's a, cool, it's a cool chapter. If you get a chance to read it, we're not gonna get to cover that all this morning. I just got a few of them I wanna get to bring this part of eternity in. They're sitting here watching this blind guy. This blind man is sitting there and... As they're watching, the disciples, I'm going to start in verse 1. You can throw that up there. Verse 1, it says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Then Jesus took that opportunity to teach them, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. Now, he wasn't saying they were sinless. He goes on to describe what happened. It wasn't because of mom and dad's sin, which by the way, let me go ahead and break down some myths for us. Let's break down some religious tradition that everything that goes wrong in your life is not because of sin. <laughs> let me help you there. Because <laughs> I know in the church, it's like, oh, what'd you do wrong? It's like, Actually, I, I didn't. I mean, I've done stuff wrong, but I didn't, I didn't do nothing to deserve this. <laughs> and so Jesus even made that very clear because he said, neither. But this happened so that the works of God might be, what? Displayed in him. He might experience some grace he didn't expect he was going to get. And so he went along. As, and then he said these words in verse four, and I want you to get this. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. In other words, what Jesus was giving them a vision of, and I want to give you as your coach, as teacher to say, hey, guys, Look, keep enjoying life. Keep going on with everything that's going on in the world. I know there's angst, there's worry, there's woe. I know there's a lot of stuff that's shaking around right now, internationally and nationally. And if we're not careful, we can get so locked in and so looking at what's happening instead of who is over what's happening that we lose engagement and we get locked into fear. And I've had more people in the last few years ask me, is this the end? And I said, I don't know, <laughs> but you're still breathing. So why are you asking that? <laughs> in other words, you, st I still got life and breath in my body. Why am I worried about that when I've got right now to make a difference? And we've got to be careful. Yes, things are definitely at a place. There is a spiral. There is prophecy taking place. So we're not to be naive and we're not to be ignorant, but at the same time, we're not to be locked into dates that are not, I have no control over. Matter of fact, I'm not going to turn there, but in Acts 1, Jesus told his disciples, it's not for you to know times and dates 
that the Father has said at his own authority. In other words, he's not going to tell us. It's going to come like a thief in the night. If you knew what time he was coming, you would have already prepared. You'd have been, okay, where's he at? (laughs) We don't know that, so we have to stay engaged with him and what he's doing. And so the point he was making was this. There is a day coming when we will not be able to do anything else for Jesus. And I want to get that in your brain and my heart because that's important. That's not to be fearful, that's to look with anticipation that I need to stay engaged. I need to continue to move forward. And so it doesn't matter if it's when I, so for some of us, our day will be like this past week when I got a call. For those of you who know Dave Isbell, who was here for a little bit with us, he's been a dear friend of mine for over 10 years. I help with his mother and stuff and I take care of his house. Dave passed away on Tuesday uh, of cancer. He came here, he moved here with his wife um, and he battled, he, he actually came here and discovered he had cancer and that's been about a year and he ended up, um, he, it, he won it over victory, he's in heaven. Um, I got to talk to him the day before and he was fully confident where he was going. He said, I wish I had more time. I said, man, I do too, Dave. We had some wonderful discussions, love Jesus. But it doesn't matter if it's by my last breath or Jesus return, either way we must stay engaged. And so I love what, what Psalms 112 says about giving and about generosity. Psalms 112 verse four and five says it this way, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. And verse, um, excuse me, I put four and five, I think it's five and six, but, and six goes on to say, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. And so think about this. When we talk about generosity and giving, it's not just for what why I'm alive here and what I'm doing. I'm talking about giving in such a way and building a life that others can follow. Others will remember. It's what we call legacy living. It's something that will far outlive you. So it's the thing that when you go to a birthday party, you know, when you start getting to your older birthday parties, people start saying these kind things to you. Like last year, I had my 60th birthday. I know I'm shocked as you are. I was like, what? I know y'all are thinking it's like 45, 46, and I'm with y'all on that one, but, but, shock. Some of you are like, no, Mark, we know. Uh, anyhow, last, last they, they did a surprise birthday, and it was a surprise. I mean, it was, it was pretty much because a lot of my former youth showed up in the house over there in the gym, and I'm like, for, for three decades, and I'm sitting there looking at people I hadn't seen for decades, like one I hadn't seen for 20 years, and she's there, and I'm like, what? Where have you been? What was happening? Like she's in North Carolina raising kids. And I'm like, man, praise God. So it's things that we give that's not necessarily monetary and that, that far outlive us. It's what I like to call today's message is simply this, the generous give of themselves. The generous give of themselves. Because sometimes... People don't need your money. They just need you. Like they don't need, I'm like, yeah, okay, I got that. I, got, I just need somebody. I can look across a table and I can say, hey, man, I'm struggling. Hey, I just need somebody that'll take a moment and listen. 
I just need somebody to take just a minute and, and say, hey, notice, how's it going? It's not so much as what you have to say, it's being there is the first part of anything. Actually being available. And so when we think about that, I think of Jesus, who's the most selfless living, he's like selfless living personified. Demonstrated to us what it means to give yourself wholly to God, which is what he asks us to do daily. And so, like I said a moment ago, it's not just a simple experience, a one-time one decision. Like accepting Christ is a one-time decision that will affect your eternity. But he wants us to go on a journey where we allow it to happen day in and day out. Where it's not a, hey, I give my life to Jesus and hey, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> it's like, no, every day we engage and allow him to gauge us on the inside. And so um, I think of this. Um, I think of like when we talk about legacy living, I think of the 50, over 50 people last weekend that served. And I think of you don't have a clue at what little kid got to bounce in a bounce house or what little kid got some candy from your booth or what little kid got a little, hey, good job. You know, I mean, they're just going, okay, what? Okay. Who got a hot dog, man? These people that were working over a grill and, and giving drinks and popping popcorn and working, making sure kids don't bounce over so they have a good memory and somebody doesn't bounce on top of them, you know? And like I did the week before, I shared that with y'all. But anyhow, got a little, G Paul got a little too excited in the bounce house and got called out. Anyhow, just encouraging y'all, thank you. You have no idea on the impact it plays to some kid that showed up saying, I had a great experience at that church. Matter of fact, I see little Mackenzie coming in here. <laughs> hey, Mackenzie, how you doing, girl? Love that girl. <laughs> I, I, I did children's church. Y'all, I did children's church three weeks ago, four weeks ago, maybe a month ago, because we were transitioning to Chris coming in. I had little Mackenzie first time in children's church. She came up to me during the greeting part. And she goes, are you going to do children's church today? <laughs> and I went, Oh, a children's heart. I would love to, but you get to be in big kids church right now. All right. Good job. She gets to be in here with us. I love it. So anyhow, these are things that we get to have an impact on simply by allowing God to use us, to use me, to use my gift, to use who I am. And the first word that I think of when we boil it all down to come into being used is this word. I know we all have a desire to help, but it's this one word I want you to get in your spirit this morning, and that is called awareness. Awareness. Stop and think about for a minute how many things each of us experience on a daily basis. I mean, in my own mind, there are sights, sounds, tastes, touches, smells all around us. In fact, if we were trying to put a number on how often we use our senses, it would be impossible. I mean, think about it. We're always different things coming in, different sounds, different when we see something. Um, our senses never stop working. Scientists have proven even while we're sleeping, our senses are still at work. They're still being active. And so uh, we live in a perpetual state of, of what I like to call sensory overload. And, it's bec and, and because of this, our brains are working overtime to categorize. We're trying to figure out what our senses are experiencing. And so this is why you can brush your teeth sometimes in the morning and you get out the door and you remember, did I brush my teeth? <laughs> and you're like, 
Well, no, I know I did. I remember I took the cap off of you. You'll, and there are other things you did you'll do because you're just, this is what I do. And so we can get so caught up in our routine, routines of doing, doing, doing that we forget and we lose sight and awareness of moments and situations and people around us that are just sitting there where God puts them in our path and gives us a chance to give of ourselves to somebody that needs that. If it's possible, I'll say it this way, it's possible for us to experience hundreds of millions of things every day and only be aware of a few of them. And if you, if you don't believe me, here, try this. I'm gonna give you a little experiment. I like to do these things. If I were to ask you right now, who are the last 10 people you saw this morning during the greeting time? <laughs> I, don't stop, don't do that. Cause I know some of you are like, well, let's see there. One. All my list people will be like, I will prove you. Watch what I can show you. <laughs> Y'all gonna show me out. Don't do that. Take your time, relax. Or if I said, okay, let's go on to the next one. Who are the last five people you talked to? And then I could go a step further and say, okay, what did you talk to them about? And I, I'm going to talk to my husbands here for a moment. How many of you, your wife's been talking or even girlfriends, boyfriends, you know, fiancés, and, and you're, you're haphazardly, you're, you're somewhat listening and you're like, yeah, yeah. You're nodding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. And they go say, what did I just say? You go, oh, and you repeat the last line. <laughs> And then they said, no, before that. And you went, oh. <laughs> Men, can I give you a clue? <laughs> the two words you need to use at that moment, <laughs> don't use any more words. You'll waste them and it will mess you up. You, will, you, you know that lie, you're gonna tell another one. Just say these two words, forgive me. <laughs> forgive me, you caught me, <laughs> you know. I'm busted. You know, I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. My mind was somewhere else. And so this thing of being aware is vital as we go about our day. Think about so many times our day, we get set. I've got my schedule. I got my agenda, especially those list people. Ooh, I love list people because I am so not one of them, but I want to be. But I love it because they're checking, man. They got their list. And if you get in their way of their list getting checked, you're like, whoa, watch out. You're going to get checked off. Like, whoa, you're stopping me from getting my list. And I'm the one that does it. I throw the kink in the wrench. Like, hey, how's it going? Whoa, what you doing? Like, you are messing up my list. Stop. And I'm like, whoa. So, so in this, this is where we've got to be careful that we, we don't categorize and organize opportune moments that Jesus wants to bless you with to be able to bless somebody else with this thing of giving of yourself. And I love because Jesus, he's our example. He is the one we follow. Nobody else. Please do not follow Mark Lynn. I love what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> That's the way you go. You go as I go after Jesus. And I love it because, um, he never seemed to miss a moment. He was always involved and engaged. I love, we're gonna look real quick at Mark chapter five, and then I'm gonna give you a, a, a little bit of homework this week, and you'll love it, I promise you. I know when I mention homework, you know, some of y'all break out in hives like, ooh. <laughs> this, this is, is gonna be fun homework. It'll be, you'll get to enjoy it. 
And so in, in Mark chapter five, Jesus is uh, walking with his disciples. He just crossed over 521, verse 21. We're gonna start, read 21 through 24. And it says, when Jesus again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, notice how it puts leader in there, named Jairus, uh, or Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Boom. He, so when, when you're walking and somebody drops down right in front of you, if you've ever seen it in a crowd and somebody pass out and somebody faints, everybody go, <gasps> situations happen in our life that come where unexpected. Jesus, this, this religious leader falls down at his feet, and it shows that Jesus didn't have a problem with the religious leaders. He had a problem with their religion. He had a problem with what they were propagating that it wasn't him. They had bought, they had taken his law and turned it into un, unimaginable, unable to follow, and they couldn't even follow it. And so he had a problem that, of what they had done. And so Jairus falls to his feet and he pleaded earnestly, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So what does it say? So Jesus went with him. So you got to think he just got off this boat. Let me, let me give just a little bit of context when you read the story because sometimes we can read through things and we get read past things and it comes right after Jesus. If you read there again, I told you read John 9, cool story. I forgot to tell you about that one, but the blind man, he got healed. He was a grown man. He goes back home. Y'all, it was so fun because his neighbors are going, ain't he the one that was born blind? He's been blind his whole life. And then his, then his, they go, no, that can't be him. <laughs> and then his parents go, oh, and then the religious leaders go, hold it. You've been born blind. How did you get healed? It's a whole fun story. I'm, I just want to wet your whistle. Go read that. You will enjoy G, their response of just one healing that took place. In here, Jesus has been inquired and, and begged upon to say, hey, my daughter's dying. Please go. And he went with them. And so when he does this, he had just healed a demon-possessed man just before this is a very intense encounter, and, and, and especially in the life of Jesus, he's taking a boat across the other side, and before he even gets out, there's this big crowd that just surrounds him. And when this prominent, influential religious leader, you gotta think, they carried a lot of weight and authority in Jerusalem and, and in that part of the region. When he shows up, that... He falls down on his feet and for a religious leader to fall at his feet and go, hold it, whoa, you fall at our feet. Like we're the ones that carry this. And when, when he does that, not only is it right in front of Jesus' face, but it's also a very urgent situation and the religious leader didn't even care at that moment about his titles, about his religion. He said, I need help. And I want to tell you, all of us at different times in our life, we get into the place where our best prayer is, help! It can happen. And so Jairus finds himself there. And in fact, she's near death. So Jairus has one request, come to my house and heal my daughter. And Jesus did exactly what we thought he'd do. He said, hey, I've got stuff, but I'm, I'm, you're mine right now. He drops everything immediately and goes, and it's starting off, he goes on, reading aloud. louder. It said, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. So 
there's not just a few people. I know sometimes we look at, at, at news things on TV and it's like, oh, there's this big crowd. And then they just pan out. It's like, oh, no, there's just a few. But there's a large crowd gathered around and starting and again in verse 25, picking it up. It says, and a woman, everybody's saying a woman. So he's been entreated upon to go heal a, a religious leader's daughter who was sick, close to death. And then a woman shows up. And a woman was there who had been subjected to bleeding for 12 years. Everybody say 12 years. That's a long time. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of, that's a lot of health issues going on. There's a lot of things happening with this woman. And she'd suffered a great deal under the care of, y'all, anybody had many doctors work on you? <laughs> you ain't got to raise your hand. <laughs> but... But there's some of us, you, you have a lot of doctors and they do the best they can. There again, I'm not railing on doctors. They're called practitioners for a reason. They're practicing medicine. They're doing the best. And I love what they do. I'm alive today because a group of people decided to study what transplants look like. I had a kidney transplant 19 years ago. And I'm alive today because of that. So tell me, I'm telling you, I'm not railing on doctors. I'm saying this woman... I can't even imagine of all she went through at the hands of these doctors with the practice at the time, what they had available to him, to them. And she said she, she, had, she had suffered at the hands and, and yet instead of getting better, she got worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak mm. because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes not him touch me if I can just touch him I will be healed how many of you have been desperate at times when I just need one little touch I need one moment with Jesus Lord I just need one little encouragement, God, I gotta have this so desperate. I need this. And I wanna tell you, we're the people of God. We're the ones that've got the truth. We're the ones that are rejoicing. And there are so many people around us every day. They just need one touch. And we've gotta be careful. We're not so locked into our world that we can't be that one touch for somebody. Let me move forward. Immediately, everybody say immediately. Her bleeding stopped and she felt her body that she, has, she was freed from her suffering. How many of you know when you bleed in a long time and all of a sudden I got free, woo! That's a glorious day. But guess what? She couldn't rejoice. You know why? Because in that day, she was unclean. She had a blood disorder. And if she would have said, oh, they said, what healed of what? Of a blood disorder? They said, oh, you're going to be stoned to death because you're not allowed to touch anybody. You're supposed to be encamped outside the city. And here she is quietly on this. She had to be in a low position. She's not even standing up following. She's just watching him go by like. I just need to get. It wasn't something that, that she, she just saw it and said, if I can just touch it. And so she receives this incredible miracle. 
And Jesus, that'd have been great. It'd have been wonderful if he just went on about his way. And we know Jairus' daughter, she got healed and everything. It'd have been great if that would have been it. But what happened? Jesus took the time and the opportunity to notice her. He took the moment. Now he's on an urgent request. My daughter's dying. I've got to go. There is something happening. And you're going to stop? And he asked this question. Verse 30, he goes, he, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Who touched me? And then his disciples answered, you see the people crowding around you, his disciples, and you ask, and you, yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see the one who had done it Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. Again, a lot of following at his feet. Trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith is healed. You go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I am of the mindset that there are more people suffering every day around us than what we are aware of. And if we would take a moment me included, others included. This is not, some people think, oh, the pastor, he's free from, he's, he has no troubles. <laughs> Get a little closer, come hang out a little while, okay? Not that I sit there and revel in those, but we all go through stuff. We all go through it. And so this is where I'm saying to all of us as a body, we have to be cognitively aware that Jesus has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so I, I just want to think about as we look at this being aware, because the second thing about awareness is, is awareness activates generosity. Awareness activates generosity. See, when I'm not aware, I can go about my business because it doesn't matter. I'm not aware of anything. I can, I can be blinded to it. And I'm like, nope. Like, like people on the side of the road that need food or need money and they're just thinking, now I don't stop every time, but I'll look and I'll be aware of them. I'm not gonna turn my eyes like, no. I can be engaged. I can see somebody. I see needs. I get to choose who and what I wanna say. There's times where I'll just stop and say, hey, what's going on with you? What's happening? I've told you stories about when I've done that in the past and there was some genuine need and in others, they were just genuinely just, okay, no problem. Anyhow, I'm always amazed at this. When we think about this activity, how it produces this. I remember when Jesus in, in Matthew chapter nine, in verse 35 through 38, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest. That's what he prayed for. That's what I pray for. I pray every one of you this week 
gets an opportunity to experience what it's like to have a God-inspired divine moment where you touch somebody's life and it might be the hymn, it might just be a little touch in their spirit that gives somebody hope, that gives somebody life, that gives somebody encouragement, that you can make a difference in somebody's life. That's what Jesus prayed for us to do that. And my third and final point is this. Every morning, this is what I want you to do. I want this, I want this to be your prayer and this, I want all of us to pray this, that this would be our prayer. Help me be the one to change the we. Help me be the one to change the we. Like all of us, we, we're a part of each other, whether we know it or not. Believer or unbeliever, we're all human. We all have needs. And God wants to use us, and we can't do it if we're so self-focused. I love what Galatians 2.20, Paul put it this way. He had this understanding, and I want you to get this. He said, I have been crucified. Not physically, with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, in this flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, which in turn then, because he loved me, I get to do the same. I get to love somebody else, and I get to make a difference in somebody else. And I think of Ephesians 2.10. I just want to turn there real quick. Ephesians 2.10, it says this, for we are God's handiwork. I like what one, one I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I love, I love what one said. He said masterpiece. I think it's the NLT. It says, we are God's masterpiece. And now I know some of us, we think of recycled junk. We think of all kinds of things about ourselves. I'm God's, you know, misstep. I'm God's mistake. I'm, I've had different ones that have told me all stuff. We are, for we are God's handiwork, God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do long ago. In other words, you showed up, those of you showed up for the first time this morning, those who are watching online for the first time in the morning, you're not a mistake. There's a reason your God wants to use you. He wants us to come to a place in our life where we, it's not about me, it's about we, where I can make a difference. I, I think of this past week in, uh, I think it was la actually a week ago, Saturday. Anybody ever heard of Tommy Pham? It's, a, it's a, uh, a player for the left fielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks um, who lost the World Series, by the way. <laughs> but Tommy Pham will be remembered for the rest of his life. Tommy Pham, who was a, um, the best way to put it, um, he was, as, as the write-up said, um, he's a 35-year-old journeyman, which anybody knows baseball, you get to be 35 and all and things, you know, it, it starts slipping, but he's 35-year-old journeyman, meaning he played with many teams, appearing in his first World Series had the opportunity of a lifetime, a chance to be forever remembered in baseball history. In this, now I know some of you aren't baseball fans, you're like, Mark, you just lost me. <laughs> but check this out, this is what he did. He was bidding to go where no man has gone in 119 years, becoming the first player to go five for five 
in a World Series game. Pham was instead remembered for his act of selfishness, sacrificing an opportunity for personal glory, providing his Arizona Diamondbacks teammate, one in particular, a memory they'll never forget. It was coming up on the bottom of ninth, and Tommy was due up. I know the mighty Casey, this is actually Tommy, was due up in the ninth inning to bat second. So he's sure to get a base hit. He is assured to get a at bat. In the eighth inning, as the, the Texas Rangers were at bat, they were up nine to one at that point. And he went to the coach as the inning was winding down. He said, coach, 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 coach. I want you to put Jace Peterson in for me. I want him to get an at bat. And his coach said, are you sure? <laughs> now, granted, at the time, Jace Norris, Tory Lovelow had known, but, but Tommy knew. He was going to get a chance to forever be remembered. If he got up and got a base hit, he would forever, the only person ever in the history of baseball, went five for five in the World Series. And he said this to his coach. He went up to him and he said, I need you, this is his word, I need you to give my boy an at-bat. Pham told Lovelow, are you sure you want this to happen? You want to present? He said, I need my boy to get an at-bat in the World Series. He'll remember this for the rest of his life. You may or may not use him in another role, but right now I want to step aside for him. I want him to experience what it's like to get an at-bat in the World Series instead of me being remembered as getting a bat. Hey, I went five for five. Jace Peterson's life, who had never been to the World Series himself, he was a journeyman as well. They had got traded at the deadline and actually showed up there. Jace Peterson said, we were friends, but I didn't know him that well. It wasn't like he was best. When he said, my boy, he said, my teammate. It wasn't like they were best friends and said, I got, man, we played since grade school. I got to get him in. He said he barely knew him. He just knew him because they got traded together and they knew each other, but he was willing to trade history in a moment of greatness for one man's dream to at least get to tell his children, his grandchildren, I had an at bat in the World Series. That is called selfless living. I want somebody else to experience something. I love that, that mentality. I love that, that this morning, I want you to have that experience. It's not about me and what I get to do. My heart and passion as a pastor, Man, I want to see you experience what it's like to turn somebody's life around, to have an experience when somebody comes up and just says, man, you made all the difference in the world. If you hadn't been there, if you hadn't been there, I wouldn't have made it. But that can only happen as we lay our life down and take up the life that Jesus has given us. Jesus told us to pick up our cross daily and follow after him. And I want to tell you, it's in dying that we live. When I die to myself and somebody else comes alive, whew, like I said, I've been on both receiving ends of, of the blessing 
the giving and the receiving. And I want to tell you, there's nothing like giving to somebody and watching their life turn around. It, it might be for a moment, but I'm telling you this morning, if you'll, if you'll stand up with me at this moment, I want to I go into a moment of worship. And I want us to take just a moment. Because I know when I share, I know there's moments. I know some of you, as I've been sharing, you're like, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. And I want to help you do that. And by the way, here, it doesn't matter where you are. Somebody watching, somebody listening right here. Many of us think, well, Pastor Mark, when I get to where you are, <laughs> look, I'm right where you are. I'm no better, no worse. <laughs> Pastor, what God's called me to do. It's a gift that I operate in. It's not something any better, any worse than yours. It's not when I get here, then I'll be able to. You start where you are with what you have. Start where you are with what you have. There's somebody in need in your circle right now. Your sphere of influence, as I say, you're somebody. And if it's not somebody that God will bring somebody and you'll say, you're going to know, oh, that's my moment. I got to stop being so busy with what I'm involved in that I can take a moment and say, God, help me. Let me be there for just a moment. Let me be that shoulder to cry on. Let me be that hand to hold. Let me be that person to pray. Let me be that one that brings a meal. Let me be that one that watches a little baby so mama can come in here and hear a word in their own thing. Let me be that one that, that helps out in children's church so mom and dad can come in here and hear a word. Like, oh. Come on, all the ones with small children know. It's like, well, you always, no matter what I'm saying, y'all like, hey, whoa, 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 stop. That's how it is. You can be that one to offer that. And it's not just simply in the house. I love what we did last Sunday afternoon, but guess what? All I think is there are so many more in this community that could come and be a part and experience the touch of Jesus right here on our campus as we continue to pursue him and to pursue others. Let's, I want to pray for you. We're going to pray that pray, prayer. Lord, let me be the change. Let me be the one. I want to be the change to help change the we. Let me be the one to change the we. Amen? Thank you, Lord. And as we do this, as we pray, and I'm going to go for worship for a moment. I know some of y'all, it might be a little late, but I, I want you to hang with me because I believe I don't want you to pass a moment because I know God's moving on hearts. I know right now you're like, man, I want to do this. It starts with just surrendering and saying, God, I surrender to you. We've got to make room. Think about right now for just a moment. Close your eyes with me. Bow your heads. Think about, is there time and space in your day? Maybe, maybe we've scheduled the Holy Spirit out of our days. Maybe we've been so busy just going through life that we haven't been living the life. Jesus has called us to. And maybe I've been so focused on me that I haven't God, I haven't allowed God to help me change the we, and in turn it changes me. So as they sing this, here's what I want us to do. 
You can continue right there at your seat or I'm going to open the altar for those that would like to, to make a step and say, this is my surrender. This is what I want to do today. Lord, let me change somebody's life this week. Let me have a small part. Let me be the one whose gown, whose, whose, whose robe gets touched to help somebody this week.